Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by one of our founding pastors, John Ferguson, as we wrap up our series, Making Memories. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And now on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning. How y'all doing today? Good. Yeah, it's great to be here. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think Sherry's right. You know, maybe the sunshine, slightly warmer temperatures, at least we know they're on the way, kind of gives us a little more energy, doesn't it? Thank goodness, finally. And uh, I want to say a special welcome to uh, someone that I was able to bring with me today. My wife, Lisa, is with me today. So I want you to welcome her, if you would. Uh, some of you might not know, just by way of update, several years ago, we moved from uh, the suburbs into the city to help start new locations of community in the city limits of Chicago. We live on the north side. Our Lincoln Park location and Lincoln Square locations are, are growing and doing really well. I had more people on Easter than they've ever had before. We're also a part of some growing multicultural church planting networks in the city. And so just thanks for your vision and um, your belief in this opportunity to make all that possible. God's doing some really, really cool stuff. And we are entering a new phase of life. We're empty nesters now. And so it used to be my wife, you know, couldn't make these early morning treks out here with me because she had to be with the kids, but they're both in college now. And so she uh, gets to get up real early with me and come out here. And when you welcome her like that, that'll make her want to come back, right? <laughs> All right. Thank you for doing that. You know, just a few years back, just a few, I turned 40. It's not that funny. But, you know, in an effort to kind of defy the aging process, I bought myself a total gym. Anybody else make this lovely purchase right here? Raise your hand. Go ahead. It's okay. You can admit it. Yeah, maybe you've seen the infomercials with Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley. Well, you know, I figured if this miracle machine could keep Chuck and Christy looking as good as they look well beyond 40, I mean, imagine what it could do for me. And and just look, I mean, this physique, it's done wonders. Can't you tell? No, okay, you're, you're right, it hasn't. Truth is, after a couple of years and some mild mocking from my lovely wife, I finally admitted that the total gym was mostly being used to hang laundry to dry. Yeah, so I uh, sold it to some other sucker who thought it might do for him what it didn't do for me. Uh, here's my question, okay, because I know I'm not alone. Anyone else ever have a big dream to purchase something like that? Maybe it wasn't the total gym, but it was something else. Anyone else? Okay, right. I figured that more than a handful of us have done that. I mean, I was destined for buyer's remorse from the moment I bought that thing. You know, I had such high hopes, but they were never realized. It turns out that these things do nothing for you unless you actually use them. Weird, isn't it? But you know, my guess is that we've all felt something like that before. You know, this regret of buyer's remorse. It's so easy, isn't it, to spend money on stuff that we later regret. But today, I want to tell you about a purchase of sorts that I've never regretted. My daughter, Chloe, uh, actually went with me. She struck up the friendship with Juana. They found out that they had similar interests. Juana's uh, a budding artist. My daughter's an artist as well. And uh, so uh, we made a, a connection with Juana, and now we're sponsoring her. And I actually, I just got a note from her this week in the mail. She says this, dear sponsor, John, that's how she addresses me. Dear sponsor, John, my whole family actually sponsors her, but she writes to sponsor John. It's a pleasure to write to you with so much love. She says, I hope you're in good health along with your family. Thanks for always remembering me. I always pray for your family and for my family that God would protect us. 
Thanks for your beautiful letter. Thank you so much for your monthly help. Tell me about the place where you live. I always pray for you. I say goodbye with so much love, Juana and her mother. Yeah, it's so cool, isn't it? Uh, you know, Juana is a part of one of the churches Community Help Start in partnership with the Compassion International in Nicaragua. Uh, my family has also sponsored another young man with another organization. And uh, this young man lives in Dominican. And we've been sponsoring him for how long now? Like 15 years or more. Uh, he's 21. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he keeps sending us pictures of, you know, what our, our monthly investment actually provides for him. And I just can't myself, get myself to stop because it's like basic food and essentials. And, and I think I'm going to be sponsoring him when he's like 45 or something. But... I got to tell you, the truth is, I've never regretted sponsoring uh, uh, either one of these children. And and so today we conclude our series, Making Memories. And during the first three weeks of this series, we talked about being intentional about making memories with people that are close to you, you your family and your friends, and how important that absolutely is. But today is going to be a little bit different. Today we're going to talk about sharing memories with children in need. Sharing memories with children in need. And I'm going to tell you up front how this talk is going to end. In about 20 minutes, we are going to have a a global challenge and a local challenge. And you'll learn about the local challenge later on. But the global challenge is so pressing. I want to tell you about it right up front. That we're going to ask you to consider sponsoring a compassion child today. As a matter of fact, there is a table in the the lobby with uh, packets like this that are available where you can actually sign on to sponsor a child for $38 a month today. We'll talk about that more. And the reason we're asking you to sponsor a child without any hesitation or apology is because here at Community, we're serious about, we are serious about ending extreme poverty. 20% of the world's population lives on less than $1.50 a day. Think about that. 20% of the population lives on less than $1.50 a day. But here's the good news. That percentage is actually decreasing. We're actually making some headway. We're seeing poverty be reduced. And so we believe it is possible to eliminate extreme poverty altogether. Uh, Christianity Today did a, did a massive study, a research study, and named child sponsorship with Compassion International. And, and they studied all sorts of organizations, nonprofits, and they found it to be the leading long-term strategy for ending extreme poverty. Because when you decide to become a sponsor of a child, you're not only providing you know, health care, education, nutrition, and spiritual direction for a child in need, you are investing in the future. People who will lead themselves their family, their community, and their nation out of poverty. That is something worth investing in. And we truly believe this is the best way for our church to fight extreme poverty. You know, uh, Jesus tells a a story that encourages me and gives me great resolve to do whatever I can uh, to challenge you to sponsor a child. Uh, One day, a, a lawyer approaches Jesus uh, but not the kind of lawyer that we often think of when we think of a lawyer. This was not, you know, Peter Francis Tracy. Maybe you've seen his uh, infomercials. <laughs> you know, in that day, a lawyer uh, was actually a religious expert in the first five books of the Old Testament known as the law. And so this guy's life was dedicated to knowing, discussing, and memorizing this section of scripture. And since the religious elite at that time were at odds with Jesus, um, this lawyer comes to Jesus with the intention of sort of tripping him up, you know? And, and so he asks Jesus this question. He asks him, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by saying, well, you've got to love God with all you've got. And you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. 
You gotta love God with all you've got and you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. And this answer is so simple, it frustrates this lawyer. I mean, he's hoping for like a, you know, a theological debate, right? To kind of show off his expertise. And so he pushes the conversation a little further and asks, okay, well then who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And in response to this lawyer's question, Jesus tells a story. It may be familiar to you. It starts out like this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, let's make sure we get this, okay? I mean, Jesus describes this man who is robbed and beaten as being left half dead. And so I can only imagine that he looked, you know, every bit of the part, beaten and bloodied, nearly beyond recognition. And so these two men come upon this man in need, and both of them were religious leaders. And at this point, the lawyer, who himself was a sort of religious leader, had to be thinking, all right, this is going to be good. My guys are going to take care of him, right? This story is going to actually work in my favor. But that's not how Jesus tells the story. He says, both of these religious leaders see the man, but they do nothing. Nothing. The the supposed uh, good guys, the religious leaders, the ones you would most expect to help this person in need, not only pass him by, they actually go to the other side of the street to completely avoid him altogether. I mean, this lawyer had to be hating how this story was unfolding, right? But before we come down, I think, on these religious leaders too much, let's give them a little bit of a break. After all, they were prominent men with significant responsibilities. Maybe they had important business to take care of. I mean, this stretch of road was known as having, you know, a lot of crime. So they may have thought this was a setup for someone to take them out. And Jesus doesn't give us the reasons why they didn't help this man out. But if we think of the times we've come across people in need, maybe you can remember a time or two, we could probably imagine, you know, sort of the tension they felt as they saw this man on the side of the road in desperate need. I mean, I'm guilty of this. And I sometimes see and pass by just like they did. I convince myself that I have good reasons for not meeting the need before me. I, I might think, oh, well, someone else will help. Or I would think, well, you know, the, uh, the problem is way bigger than it appears to be on the surface. Or, you know what, I just don't really have the time or resources right now to get involved. And so, you know, before we vilify these religious leaders, let's admit we may be in some ways guilty of similar actions. Yet as the priest and Levite pass by, I mean, this is where the story, especially from this Jewish lawyer's perspective, takes a shocking turn. Because Jesus continues and says, then a despised Samaritan came along. Okay, remember that phrase, despised Samaritan, okay? And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So the Samaritan comes across this man, and at his own expense, he goes the extra mile. He patches up this poor guy, takes him to an innkeeper who has the systems and structures in place to provide long-term care, get that guy back to health. But I can only imagine, okay, stick with me here, the utter gasp that had to come from the lawyer and those gathered around when Jesus threw out that word Samaritan. 
I mean, it's difficult for us to fully grasp the magnitude of the shock that this lawyer would have felt because the Jewish people absolutely hated the Samaritans. Jesus even called him, what? A despised Samaritan. I mean, there was no one they thought of less than, Samar- than Samaritans. I mean, to make the Samaritan the hero of the story, the one that actually showed compassion, would seem utterly absurd. I mean, to give you a better idea, just imagine, okay, Jesus telling this story, let's say, right here in our own city, okay? It would likely go something like this. A man is robbed, okay, beaten and bloodied, left on the shoulder of, I don't know, let's say, like Lakeshore Drive, okay? And first, you know, our beloved Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs comes by, sees this man in need, but he passes by on the other side. I mean, that's absolutely hard to imagine that Anthony Rizzo wouldn't stop by to pick him up or help him, right? Then comes along Cubs slugger Chris Bryant, known as one of the most humble guys around. He too sees the man in need and walks right on by. We know that would never, ever happen, right? And then some player in a White Sox jersey, you know, I'd say the name, but (laughs) let's face it, they're all terrible, right? I mean, the last person you would ever expect to help a man in need actually does so. We would be outraged by such a crazy story, wouldn't we? Can't help it. You got to let me go there. And the truth is what Jesus proposes here is, I mean, it's a thousand times worse. I mean, this lawyer had to be thinking, are you kidding me of all people? A Samaritan? Yeah, where others saw and passed by, the Samaritan saw and had compassion. He took action. And see, I think it's important we don't miss this. Compassion isn't a mental exercise. It's not something that stays in our heads and doesn't make it to our hands and our feet. Compassion is love in action. It's about doing something to relieve the pain of others. The Apostle John wrote about this in his first letter. He says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech only, but with actions and in truth. Yeah, Jesus had compassion and he laid down his life for us. I mean, what hope would we have if Jesus only loved in speech and in words? I mean, Jesus' love had a face. His love had feet. His love had hands. And when Jesus saw us, he was moved with compassion to act. A prolific author, Henry Nouwen, he he wrote it like this. He says, compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. See, the Samaritan didn't make excuses. He made a difference. And then Jesus concludes his story with this question. He asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Who was the neighbor? And if there were microphones in Jesus' day, he would have dropped the mic and walked away. And I think in this short story, Jesus just wants us to recognize that the question, who is my neighbor, really is the wrong question. The question, who is my neighbor, really is the wrong question. The better question, the question Jesus is leading us to ask is this, to whom can I be a neighbor? Think about the difference. 
To whom can I be a neighbor? Who do I see? Who is in need? And plain and simple, folks, today we want you to see children. We want you to see children. And the challenge today is to make a life-changing memory by sharing with a child in need. Earlier I said there's going to be a global challenge and a local challenge. The global challenge you already know about, it's to consider sponsoring a child with Compassion International for $38 a month. You know, this whole experience of, of sponsoring a child really became even increasingly more personal for me about three weeks ago. My wife, Lisa, invited some of the young ladies from our community Lincoln Park location over for brunch one Sunday. And they gathered around the kitchen table there and uh, they were just kind of having fun and talking about all sorts of different things when they started discussing some of the ministries of the church. And one of the young ladies at the table said, well, you know, I, I sponsored a compassion child. And there's a little bit of a pause at the table and then Katarina pipes up and she says, you know, I haven't ever told you all this, but I grew up as a compassion child in Bolivia. Can you imagine the surprise? when she went on to tell what an incredible difference her sponsors made in her life. She said she's kept every single letter they ever wrote to her. And when we asked her what was most meaningful about being sponsored, she said the most meaningful part of being sponsored, it was helpful that we had food, it was helpful that we had clothing, it was helpful that we got an education, but the most meaningful part of being sponsored was that my mom and I, we found our way back to God. Her life was changed because somebody picked up a packet and chose to sponsor her. Here are a few statistics that demonstrate that need. Uh, Did you know that nearly one in five children under the age of five do not have enough to eat? Still, now in the 21st century, nearly one in five of all children under the age of five does not have enough to eat. An estimated 61 million school children worldwide don't get to go to school. 61 million kids don't get to go to school. 11 children under the age of five die, five die every minute. 11 every minute. I mean, just in the time I've been on stage, it's probably 200 kids. And I don't have to tell you, we know that's not the dream God has for our world or for those kids. Yet here's the hopeful part. See, we actually can make a change. And for less than it costs a family to have a meal at Jimmy John's, a child's life can be changed forever. A child like Ablavi. Here's her story. My name is Ablavi. I am 12 years old and I am in the fourth grade. Some of the challenges that the kids in our community are facing are no different from the ones I faced. No food, no money, no health care. Life was so difficult to us. We were suffering. Sometimes... We go to bed without food, without eating. It was so difficult for us. But thank God, since I was enrolled in Compassion, they help us. They really help us. So I am so glad today. 
I'm so grateful of my sponsors, Linda and Doug. When I received the first letter that day, I was so much excited, especially when I saw the picture. And when I got back home, I showed the picture and the letter to mom, and we were all excited, and we prayed for them. I'm very pleased that I am also enrolled in this program of compassion. First, we pray. We hear the word of God and then we have lunch. After that, we play games. Also, they pay my school fees for medical checkups and for other needs of my family. My relation with the sponsors encouraged my faith. I trust Jesus that if I pray, especially in difficult situations, if I pray, Jesus could help. After school, I would like to be a doctor to help sick people to get well so they can give thanks to God. The most important thing, the most important change that the sponsorship has brought in my family is hope. Linda and Doc promised to continue praying for me so that I could be released from poverty. You're invited to sponsor a child today. Join us, share God's love, and help release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsor a child today. You know, several years ago, we as a church decided we weren't going to pass by. Uh, We began a partnership with Compassion International, first in Haiti and uh, now most recently in Nicaragua, And through our partnerships, we have now sponsored over 800 children, 800 kids, just like Ablavi, across all of our locations in Chicagoland. I think that's worth celebrating, huh? Yeah, and through Celebration Generosity this past fall, we we were able to partner with Compassion to plant two new churches in Nicaragua. Compassion will only provide their programs in places where there's a local church through which they can provide these much-needed programs to children in poverty. And so now new thing, our church planting mission is looking for places where there are kids in need so that we can put churches there so that Compassion can come in and plant a church. We hire staff, provide facilities for them to provide those needed programs. That means there are now another 200 children today who need sponsors. If we fulfill those 200 children, we will be up to over 1,000 church-wide who are being sponsored by community people. And so we divided those 200 packets up by our locations across Chicagoland. And at the yellow box, we were hoping for 88 children to be sponsored today. I found out after the first service, we're already way beyond the halfway point. But I also know the 1115 service doesn't want to be outdone by the 930 service right? So we're expecting big things. I also found out, we're kind of keeping a live total, that we're well beyond halfway church-wide already this morning to that 200 mark. And so I just want to assure you that we will have other children to sponsor. So today, if you want to sponsor a child, we still need as much help as we can get. And certainly the children uh, have as much need as they've ever had. 
I just want to challenge every one of us, you know, don't let this chance pass you by. And, you know, I just want to say too, if if $38 a month seems like a big step for you today, uh, maybe you're here with somebody and you can lean over to that person and say, hey, you know, what if we share this expense? We could alternate months sponsoring a child. I love that idea as well. So I, I, I promised a local challenge, right? And, uh, you know, we might not see extreme poverty locally as much as we see it in other parts of the world, like what we saw in that video. Uh, but that doesn't mean there aren't children in need. And I just want to tell you again, our, our communities actually are full of lonely parents who can quickly find themselves in a tough spot. Now, it may be health-related. It might be financial. Uh, there may be a legal crisis, or they may just find themselves in some sort of really daunting kind of situation. But whatever it means, or whatever it might be, so often what we find is that it's the children in those situations who are most vulnerable. And so a few years ago, several families here began, uh, began volunteering with an organization called Safe Families for Children locally. And what they do is they show compassion to families in crisis by mobilizing churches around these families with a caring, compassionate community. And the goal is to keep children safe, but families intact. And so one way that Safe Families does this is by recruiting people from local churches to temporarily be hosts for these children during this crisis. So once that crisis is over, these children can be reunited with their families. And so people from community have stepped up and they've been providing care for these children. One of those families is Brian and Leslie Clark. And we asked them to share their experience. And I wanted to share that with you. Here's what Brian writes. He says, you know, Leslie and I always felt called to be involved in foster care or adoption. But after having two kids of our own, we were starting to wonder how helping other kids might fit into our life. Remarkably, it was the loss of Leslie's job that led us to the answer. After seeing some friends from community helping through safe families, we decided this was the moment God was calling us to be a blessing for others. And since then, we have welcomed three children into our home, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and this beautiful baby, right? You see in that photo right there that we picked up when he was just two weeks old from the hospital. He says, it's difficult to describe how much we have learned. It's so easy to get caught up living in our lives and forget that so many people right here in our city are experiencing completely different worlds of loneliness, addiction, fear, pain, and despair. He says, Leslie and I have learned so much that's challenged our beliefs about poverty and parenting. We have laughed, we have cried, we have prayed, we have wanted to pull our hair out, but we would do it all again because it's worth it when you know you are changing lives. Let's express our appreciation to Brian and Leslie for stepping up. That's awesome. I love that. Safe Families for Children, it's it's just a tremendous organization that's doing incredible work. And there are several ways that you can be a part of that locally. You could be a host family like Brian and Leslie. You take children into your home, provide for their day-to-day needs. Others can be family, friends, or support. These are people who come alongside the host families to babysit on occasion or to provide other assistance. You can also serve as a safe families mentor for a child that's aging out of the foster care system. If you're interested in in getting engaged in this locally, and I would so encourage you to do so, you can take advantage of these information sessions that are coming up on May 6th and on May 20th, or you can go to communitychristian.org slash families, or please stop by the information table in the lobby uh, before uh, you leave today. You know, as I think about these opportunities that are before us, you know, locally through safe families, globally through compassion and the chance to sign up to, to sponsor a child, I can't help but want to hearken back to the story that Jesus told. 
Because when I think about that wounded man, you know, that was left on the side of the road. See, today, I think that wounded man represents children in need. You know, whether they be kids around the world or children in our own neighborhoods. And that innkeeper, I mean, think about the innkeeper there. I mean, that innkeeper had the systems and the structures to take care of that wounded man long term, right? And so I think today uh, that innkeeper represents Compassion International and uh, safe families for children. And they have remarkable systems that they've tweaked and worked out over the years. The structures are ready to address the needs of these children. And then, of course, there are those in Jesus' story who see the need. I think we know who that is, right? That's you. That's me. That's us. And the only question left is, will we pass by or will we have compassion? You know, my prayer is that we'll be known. We will be known. Community Christian Church will be known as a compassionate faith community. The ones who are constantly asking, to whom can I be? A neighbor. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. God, that uh, you are a loving God that showed compassion, not just in words and in speech, but in, you know, your, your compassion had a face, had feet, had hands. Your compassion led you to the cross. You didn't just leave us on the side of the road. God, no, you came down and took our place. So God, thank you for organizations like safe families and compassion, the structures and systems that they have in place that we can come alongside. And for, you know, $38 a month or, you know, by volunteering, we can provide for just the very basic needs of children all over the world who are just desperately looking for a better life. God, help us to be a compassionate faith community. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.